0: Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope you're doing well. We have a great show today. We're gonna talk bucks hawks game three, the Chris Middleton game again. Uh, Chris Middleton took over in that fourth quarter, and we will talk a lot about that. We'll talk a little about Giannis, we'll talk about the Bucks bench, uh, Trey Young's ankle. Uh, and if the series is over. So those are kind of the topics within the topic. And then we'll do a Brewer-Cub thing at the end there. Gotta talk Brewers-Cubs, big series in the mill tonight. Looking forward to that starting up uh, this evening. But obviously it's all about the Milwaukee Bucks and it's all about Chris Middleton what a performance from mids tonight one of the best you will ever see it was an iconic game a game i think we will all remember as bucks fans no matter how the rest of this series goes um middleton 38 points tonight on 26 shots six threes made 11 rebounds seven assists he was incredible. The guy was in his bag, as the kids like to say. Just an awesome game from Chris Middleton. He got hot and lit up Atlanta down the stretch. I I watched with Mitch. There was a lot of concern from the people that I wasn't at Broadhouse tonight. I get it. But I knew that Mitch and I together was enough. I knew the Broadhouse boys could bring it home. We're 7-0 and now watching together. Don't worry, Mitch and I together on Tuesday. You can lock that in for sure. But they lit up Atlanta. They absolutely lit up Atlanta with Chris Middleton in the fourth quarter. He just found the found this the heat like he had a really bad third quarter. Like Middleton was complaining to the officials. He passed up some shots. And then he just put it all together in that fourth quarter. It was incredible to watch. It was like, give him the ball every time. I was like, pull up. Like, he was just feeling it. And when Middleton's in that zone, it's hard to beat him. And the guy can close out a team, and he did that to Atlanta. He outscored them himself, 20 points. Atlanta had 17 altogether. And it was just one of those Middleton heaters and he gets on those and it's really hard to stop him and it's really hard to beat the Bucks and it was an impressive effort and I think all the Chris Middleton hate is over I know there are still some like hanger-ons I know there are still some people who are like Yeah, this is this guy isn't a top 20, top 25 player. You're fucking ridiculous. I can't believe people are still on that hill. You just have to admit that you are wrong. It's okay. To admit you were wrong about a take. Like I saw some guy who his old tweet was exposed about how the Middleton signing was one of the worst things in franchise history. And then he's like, yeah, everyone goes back to that tweet. Y'all got to calm down a little bit. Fuck off, dude. You were the one who had the bad tweet. You, like just own your shit. Like just, just say you were wrong. It's okay. Like, I'm very glad that I'm on the Chris Middleton Hill of he was good. I've always sort of been there. I did say to some friends in a group chat tonight that he was having a rough game because it was a rough third quarter. And then he pulled it all together and he heard the haters. And man, he went off. And Chris shouldn't need to talk about the haters anymore. Chris Middleton's good. I kind of want a Chris Middleton USA jersey. I told that to Mitch tonight. Like he—he's awesome, man. And I I feel like if you don't think he's a top twenty, top twenty-five player, you just don't understand basketball. You just—you don't watch enough bucks. This is what Chris Middleton can do. We've—we saw a lot this year, more than I think we have in years past. And he is a better basketball player than a lot of the dudes you talk about nationally. I would rather have Chris Middleton, Russell Westbrook, any. Fucking day of the week. It not even close. It's not even close. I'd rather have him than Jimmy Butler. Chris Middleton Middleton can do all the things that Jimmy Butler can do, plus shoot the three. Yet Jimmy gets all the flowers because Jimmy's the leader of a team. And I know Kendrick Perkins wants to do this. Chris Middleton's Batman, Giannis is Robin. Fuck all the way off with that, Kendrick Perkins. Because look, Chris Middleton is definitely the second guy on the team. But Chris Middleton can carry a team like a overall superstar. So I can understand Perkins wanting to go with this whole Batman notion. But at the end of the day, he's still the number two guy. He can just play like a number one. That's what makes him so special. It's not necessarily that he is the number one guy or needs to be the number one guy. It's that he believes that he can be that second banana and he can be the Pippin to Giannis' Jordan, and it works. And as some people have said, I saw Logan Murdoch had a tweet about it. Giannis and Middleton give you a Kobe and Shaq kind of vibe to it. They really do. It's not out of the question. Like that to me is not out of any sort of realm. Like I know it's high praise. I know they won three straight titles, but that's kind of how it feels. The one-two punch of Giannis and Chris Middleton or Chris and Giannis is really fucking hard to deal with and not a lot of teams have an answer for it. And I said it before the series started, I was like, Atlanta doesn't have an answer for Chris Middleton because you have to deal with Bogdan Bogdanovic, Nil Gallinari, you have a bunch of guys who can't stop a sneeze and when the Bucks went small, it freed up Chris Middleton and Chris Middleton just went absolutely flames like that's the best way to say it like he was absolutely on fire and it 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 was hard to see anything that was that was like that i mean that to me is an all-timer that is an all-time performance from chris middleton i i don't remember a a game i think in the playoffs where we've really seen a guy just absolutely kill it for a fourth quarter and bury it i guess durant did it in game five but that was that that was at that level like that's what's crazy about it and it was such a gut punch to Atlanta, and I could not have loved it more. And I just, it's it's going to be one that we remember. It will be one that we remember, especially if the Bucs can take this thing to the finals, especially if the Bucs can win it. We are going to remember this. And I, I said this after the Brooklyn series. I said to Mitch, I said, I, look, I don't wanna get ahead of myself, but there are some moments here where I just feel like this is destiny. And that Durant stepping on the line in the three-pointer and the overtime performance and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday coming alive in the fourth quarter and the overtime of that game. And this game, like there are so many moments where I think like they are destined to do this. And I believe a little bit more. And I've always, I'm always an optimist from a sports perspective, but this made me believe just that much more, just a little bit more. The other thing is you guys can't sleep on Giannis Antetokounmpo's performance tonight either. Giannis was just as good as Middleton. Now, Giannis didn't necessarily have the fourth quarter that Mids had, but he had actually a pretty good fourth quarter. He had a big shot there late, but Giannis had an awesome second quarter. And that second quarter was as vital to the Bucs as the fourth quarter. Atlanta had this Bucks team on the ropes early. The Bucs were able to bring it back. They were able to reel it in. And then they won the second quarter. They won the second quarter by five points. They were back in control. They did not play a good first half. And yet the game was tied. And all of us in the Bucs Twitter sphere were amazed that this game was tied. We were all sort of bamboozled. It, similarly to what we've seen with other bad buck first quarters. It was like, how is this game close? Yet the bucks hung with it. The mental toughness from this team is unparalleled. It is unlike what we've seen in years past. And I think we are starting to get to that point where the bucks have enough playoff experiences where they've been there before. Oh, we're down early to Atlanta. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We're still here. They just attacked the rack, and it was all Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he had thirty points tonight, thirty-three and eleven. And Giannis joined a list of Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hakeem Olajuwon, as the only players in an NBA playoff year with ten plus thirty in ten games. He would have been. He would have joined LeBron with I think the. Most consecutive 30 point games, like at 11, if he would have beat if they would have played a full game against Atlanta in game two, but it was a blowout, so it didn't happen. Giannis has been just as incredible as Middleton, and I know there's going to be a lot of Middleton talk and we'll denigrate Giannis because of this, but people are such fucking idiots, and this is where it drives me crazy. And I, I truly think going back to like the Kobe and Shaq stuff. If we had social media like we do today, I think there would be so many people that would criticize Shaq in the same way that we criticize Giannis. And they would say, well, Kobe's the true number one. And there'd be debates all the time on Kobe versus Shaq, when really they are a dynamic duo and they are paired together. They are attached at the hip. The way the the Bucks go is it's a Giannis and Chris thing. And they are so connected. And you heard Giannis after game six, where he's like, when Chris is more vocal, I know to feed him the ball. I know to get him going. And it just, the Bucs were feeling it late. And it was driven by Middleton. But Giannis also had some big moments. That fadeaway was huge. The Bucks were so good with those two guys. And they are, it's, they might be the Kobe and Shaq of this generation. I don't think that's hyperbole. I really don't. I don't think it is. Giannis and Middleton might be the Kobe and Shaq of our generation. It, it's not out of the question, honestly. Now Giannis is a little banged up. That calf injury, I think, is a real thing, man. Like I think, I do think that's bothering him. Um, you know, he's just gonna have to play through it. I think, if anything, this is more motivation to get done in five because you could basically put on Giannis on ice for a week and just sort of get him well rested. Because he needs it, but it's the playoffs, right? Like you're gonna have injuries. It's it's what's gonna happen, and we'll talk about Trey Young's ankle in a little bit. But this is just part of basketball, so I'm not that worried about it yet. I do think it's limited him just a little bit, but yeah, it was it was just as good of a game from Giannis as it was Chris Middleton. We're gonna remember the Middleton heater because it was all time, and it was just one of those things where he could not be stopped and Reggie Miller awkwardly goes which Reggie Miller I don't know if he's not had an awkward moment in his life uh, goes Chris Stella's got her got her groove back it was like dude like come on man like do something else like if I was Reggie Miller in that scenario why not go with as they as John Wick said I think I'm back like that to me is what you should go with there like that to me is the more culturally relevant than Stella got a groove back. It was awkward, I, he, we moved right past it, Marv didn't acknowledge it, but still, it was it was the Middleton game, man. And he was so special, but Giannis deserves just as much credit as Middleton because he had that first half. And if not for Giannis' second quarter, we're not talking about a Bucks win right now. We're talking about me having to go to the Broadhouse for the rest of the playoffs and everything like that. I just have to be with Mitch. We're 7-0 together. That's what, that's what it takes. And you know who also played really well tonight? Bucks bench. And we heard a lot after game six and seven against Brooklyn that the Bucks bench was nothing. They didn't really have much. They weren't really that important. We heard that a lot. Yet it couldn't have been further from the truth. I always knew the Bucs bench would have moments. Bobby Portis tonight was awesome. Bobby had such a good game for the Bucks. He was so vital in terms of giving that energy in the first quarter when the Bucs were down big and they sort of pulled it back. And Portis finished with 15 points, four rebounds. He was seven of 12 from the field in 17 minutes. Really good shit from Bobby Portis. And he was, he was special tonight, man. He really was. I loved what the effort from Bobby all night. And a lot of people will be like, well, why wasn't he playing in the Brooklyn series? It just was a bad fit. I just don't think it made sense to have him out there. And it, it just did not work. And I, I agreed with my guy, Eric, who I, I should get Eric on the pod once. We should just get Eric. We should just do 20 or 30 with Eric. He's kind of becoming a little bit of a Bucks Twitter guy. He had a viral tweet over the weekend. Couldn't have mentioned me, heaven forbid. But Eric pointed this out about how Bobby was kind of a liability in that series. He isn't a liability in this series. He's really important in this series. He helps get the guys like Collins and Capella into foul trouble. He frustrates those guys. And I really think that Bobby is part of the reason the Bucs won tonight, 100%. That energy was really needed in the first quarter and it carried through the entire game. thought Pat Connaughton had some big moments in this one. He has hands like me, just stone. But other than that, like really solid shit from Pat Connaughton. He had a big three at the end of the, the first half. He had some major defensive moments in the second half. It was a really good Pat Connaughton game. He was plus 25 tonight I, I thought Pat played really well, and so it really seems like the Bucks have a seven-man team with maybe a little sprinkle of Bryn Forbes. Kind of, you do the Bryn Forbes heat check. Is Bryn Forbes on? Good. If he's not, okay, get him out of there. And the Bucks kind of—they have, have their roster right now, and those are their guys, and they're sticking to it. And I love it, and I, I love watching this team. You guys know I've been—I've been all on board with this, but yeah, it was. It was a very good Bucks win and a win that I think Hawks fans, if I was doing a Hawks podcast, it kind of felt like you gave them the best effort and it wasn't good enough because the Bucks were able to counter everything. When the Hawks had the foot on their throat, they needed to stomp down and they couldn't. And that might just speak to who the Atlanta Hawks are. They're just not that good. And there'll be a lot of people that will use Trey's ankle as an excuse and they shouldn't even fucking go there because look, get better ankles. I said it in the, I said it on the review, like get better ankles, man. You have braces like your are fucking Forrest Gump and somehow you're still getting ankle injuries. Don't, don't come crying to me. And everyone's like, Whoa, this good effort. He's coming back. He, he kind of sits out. That's when he sits out. Like, that's part of, like, their minute stuff with Trey is, like, he usually sits out at the end of the third quarter, comes back in about the 8.50 mark, and everyone's like, and the Bucs were, and that to me is the more demoralizing thing of your Hawks, fan. You were up 93-88, to 88 and Trey Young came in the game. The rest of the way, what was the score from the rest of the way on that one? Let's pull that up. It was 93-88. to 88. The Hawks would go on to score nine points the rest of the way, nine, that's it. And that was at the eight minute mark. That that has to just absolutely demoralize you. If you're a fan, if you're a player, that's, that's tough, man. That's really tough to, to deal with here because the Hawks just, they didn't have it in the fourth quarter. And Trey's ankle will be talked about, but it's not a big deal. It really isn't. It's a sprained ankle. He tweaked it. He landed on a ref's foot. You can't blame that left ref. And look, if you would have buried the Bucks in the first half, it wouldn't be a, wouldn't be an issue. Trey might not even have been out there. Who knows? But it, it's it doesn't account for Young kind of faltered down the stretch. And I talked about this on with after game one. I was like, look, he got hot. And yeah, he had 48 points, but he had 11 points in the fourth quarter. No one's calling that out. And so the Bucks have seemed to adjust in game with Trey and figure out how to guard Trey and how to sort of make his life difficult. And they keep just coming at him. And he, he seems like he gets frustrated or he gets caught up in the moment. Like he had a couple really bad shots in the second half and in the fourth quarter. And the Bucs just continue to cook him. And this this has to really affect Atlanta mentally. And so I think you you have to ask yourself, you know, is this series over? Is this series, you know, in the, in the bag? I think it's a little too far. I saw Wayne Laramie already calling for the dagger. But I'll say this, kind of the inverse of what I just talked about with Atlanta. The Bucks can blow out the Hawks in game four. They just need to come out strong. If they punch him in the fucking mouth early... This is over. This is, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a game. Now, I expect Atlanta to do some things. Like, I think Okwanwu is going to play early. Like, I think that's an adjustment they can make. He seems like he does pretty well against Giannis, honestly. So maybe you throw him early in the game and you see if you can throw Giannis off and see if that can kind of be a be an adjustment to make. But what if the Bucs just go small immediately and just let Middleton carry on with what he did in the fourth quarter and bring it into the first quarter of game four? Because that that is possible, right? Like that's on the table. But yeah, I think the Bucs can, can really lay the hammer here because Atlanta, that to me felt like their best effort. More so than even game one. Like I felt like that was the best Atlanta could have played and they ended up falling 10 points short. That that can't bode well if you're a Hawks fan, if you're a Hawks player, and you don't even have that long to think about it. You have a day and then you're back at it again on Tuesday. And if the Bucs have a chance to clinch on a holiday weekend, I do, the city will be on just absolute tilt. It will be an incredible time in Milwaukee and Everybody will be out. It will be a massive scene. I I can't begin to fathom. I don't want to look too ahead of this. I just want to beat Atlanta on Tuesday night, and I think they can do it. I, I really do believe in this Bucks team, and I think they can they can bring it home in five. I think they smell blood in the water, and they're going to come out with a fury. For game number four we'll talk more about game four tomorrow but yeah it's it, it was a all in all great bucks win man and i know a lot of people were nervous about the Broadhouse stuff i gotta be honest i am humbled by how many of you care i really am like this is sort of special right like there were so many people that have talked to me like my fiance's family friend her husband was like, oh, I caught up on the podcast to talk to Charlie, which was really kind of humbling. Again, I have just a lot of humbling stuff and mentioned I wasn't going to the Broadhouse. He's like, oh man, there were multiple text threads like you got to get down there. I had multiple people telling me you got to drive down there, get to the Broadhouse. First of all, no one has done more advertising for the Broadhouse for free than I have. It's incredible. But I gotta say, man, I just knew that Mitch and I together was the secret—the secret, the secret combination—and so we're seven and zero together. Eight, hopefully eight zero on Tuesday. I'm going right back there, making the drive out to T Town again on on Tuesday night. We'll watch that one as well, and hopefully bring it home. And then Thursday we'll be there. And trust me, I want to see you guys there. Like, don't just talk about it; be about it. Like, let's all get down there. Like, it, this is not just be me and Mitch. Like, let's all come down there, all right? Like, impromptu snowdab watch party. Like, let's get you all there, okay? What do you have better to? do? Like, even if you are fucking working on on Friday, no one's gonna give a shit, right? No one's gonna care. And if you are going to the game, like, just come by. Just come by. I'll be there. I don't know, six thirty, as long as work's not a bitch. Like, I'll be there, and and it's gonna be great. And we're gonna have a lot of fun, even if it's two two, which would suck. But it would, it we'll still have a great time. And I, I think it's, I, it's just special. And I really appreciate all of you who reached out, who care. I can't believe I had to make an announcement about it today. Um, it's a lot of fun, man. I'm glad we have this, and I'm looking forward to continuing it all throughout the month of July. Let's wrap up today's show with talking about the. Milwaukee Brewers. So, the Milwaukee Brewers finished a great weekend as well. So, not only did the Bucks have a nice weekend, the Milwaukee Brewers also had a nice weekend, as pointed out by the Brewers Twitter account. The Bucks and Brewers were a combined six and zero this weekend. So, very good shit from both. or no, five and zero. Excuse me, they're five and zero because Brewers won three, Bucks won two. I can do math. I promise. Uh, the Brewers have kind of found their hotness again. They've won seven of their last nine games. A lot of big hits today from Keston Hira, who had two big ones. Omar Narvaez with a big knock. Look, if Hira can get hot, man, that is so welcomed for the Milwaukee Bucks. That, Milwaukee Bucks, Milwaukee Brewers, excuse me, Bucks on the brain. But that that can be such a good thing for the Brewers. I, I wanna keep Hira in the bottom of the order. Like, don't press him. Don't immediately react to this and say, we have to hit Hira fifth or we have to hit Hira second let Hira still hang out around the seven or eight spot. If it continues into the weekend, then maybe think about moving Hira up a little bit. But he was stinging the baseball all over. Even the out he made in the eighth, he fucking lashed that ball. That was an absolute rocket that nearly got trapped by the right fielder. So we'll see if this hot streak's real. The Rockies are really bad, especially on, on the road. They've only won, I think, six games on the road. Like it's we'll see if Keston Hero can carry this into a better pitching staff with the Cubs. Now the Cubs starters are a real issue this year. That's probably what they need to get at the deadline. If the Cubs are going to make any moves, their bullpen's very good. But we'll see if Keston Hero can kind of keep this up. It'd be great. It'd be bad news for the Cubs if Keston here and Yelich are just red hot smoking the baseball because that will, the winning streaks will continue. And they do welcome Chicago uh, tonight with three of their best, three, three best. <laughs> the Brewers welcome Chicago tonight with their three best pitchers. And that is lovely. You love to see that work out for them. Freddie Peralta tonight, Brandon Woodruff tomorrow, Corbin Burns on Wednesday that's special, right? Like no Lauer, no Hauser, no disrespect to those guys. Lauer actually pitched really well today. Um, really was impressed with Eric Lauer. Rockies do pretty well against left-handers and Lauer shut them down. He was good. Like this was a very good Eric Lauer start and maybe, just maybe he's turning the corner. Every time I feel like Eric is turning the corner, he smacks me in the dick and's like, nope, I still kind of suck. So let's hope maybe this is the, the turning point Um, And Eric Lauer kind of becomes a reliable fourth or fifth starter. Because right now I think, I don't know, would you say he's more reliable than Adrian Hauser? I think you could debate that right now. If who's more reliable between those two guys. But I got sidetracked there. So yes, the three starters, the three-headed monster is facing Chicago this week. Peralta, Woodruff, Burns, you have to get two out of three. It is not an option to not get two out of three. I think it would give the Cubs a ton of confidence for the rest of the summer and the rest of the season. If they can get two out of three against the Brewers' three best pitchers, that will be a gut punch. The Brewers need to bring it from a run support perspective. Perspective. The last time they were facing a division rival in the Cincinnati Reds, the Brewers' bats went absolutely silent. That cannot happen. I realize there'll be an adjustment period from facing the Rockies, one of the worst pitching staffs, one of the worst teams in baseball and the Diamondbacks for that matter. That's all you've played for basically 10 days. I know it's gonna be a little different facing the Cubs, but still you're gonna to have to make sure you bring it. I do think the Brewers have their own motivation when they face the Cubs and the Cardinals. I don't think the Cubs really, there. there's a rivalry there. I don't think those two teams like each other all that much. And I really believe tomorrow is a must win because you you're facing a Chicago team that's factoring a couple things. One, they're not gonna get to Milwaukee till, I don't know, 2 o'clock, 2 a.m. They might be arriving maybe now. I don't know. It's what The flight from LA to Milwaukee is, it's probably four hours, four and a half, maybe five. So if you think about it, you shower, you get to the hotel, or you get to the airplane, it's 10 o'clock, probably our time, so you're probably not in not in the, your hotel bed till three o'clock. I doubt they'll take batting practice so you let the guys sleep in. But Chicago's kind of gonna be run ragged tomorrow. This could be a game the Brewers could really take advantage of. I know Kyle Hendricks is good against the crew, but they are, they are kind of ragged right now. And maybe no Anthony Rizzo. He left the game today with back tightness. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that Anthony Rizzo can can play tomorrow? We'll see. Um, the Brewers aren't gonna have Colton Wong, at least for Monday. That's a big loss. They're I they're hopeful it's not gonna be a IL stint. I really hope not. It's it's been far too many of those already for Colton Wong. So let's hope he doesn't go there. But yeah, if they're missing Rizzo, that's a huge bad out of your lineup, especially when you're facing a guy like Freddie Peralta. And Rizzo also loves the hit at American Family Field. He has a great numbers there. So it's it's all sort of on the table for the Brewers. And as I said, it needs to be a 2 out of 3. It's a tone setter. Because right now you're two games up on the Cubs. You win 2 out of 3, you are 3 games up on the Cubs heading into the 4th of July weekend, the virtual kind of halfway point of the Major League Baseball season and you're 3 games up on the Cubs. You're, I don't know how many on the on the Reds right now, and you're just an infinity up on the St. Louis Cardinals who are bad. St. Louis Cardinals aren't good. Like talk about a team who's. Whoosh. A lot of questions there for for the Cardinals. So right now, as it stands, actually, the Brewers are three games up on the Cubs. With the Cubs' loss today, they've lost three straight after their combined no-hitter. They're four and six in their last 10. 16 and 23 also on the road. 26 and 13 at Wrigley. So kind of a night and day team. And I kind of think the Brewers are a model of consistency with being 23 on the road and 22 and 15 away from American Family Field. Run differential also at plus 11 for the Brewers, plus 17 for the Cubs. That kind of did a dip after uh, the they their hot streak. They had had the run differential that was like 30. It's now kind of evened itself out but now the Brewers are up three on the Cubs I didn't realize they were up three being up three that then that's even more reason right you get up that means you could be up five games against the Chicago Cubs heading into the month of July if you're able to win two out of three and you're six up on Cincinnati and eight up on the St. Louis Cardinals St. Louis Cardinals also have a run differential of minus 52 that is one of the worst in the majors right now the diamondbacks are minus at minus 107 the rockies are minus at minus 67 pirates at minus 85 and then there's the cardinals at minus 52 they have the fifth worst run differential in all of the national league that's a bad baseball team folks no no if ands or buts about it they uh they really got to do some soul searching with that pitching rotation because it ain't it right now um they're they're struggling to say the least but yeah, this is, it's going to be fun. Also, really quick, just a side note. The fact the Brewers DFA'd Phil Bickford for fucking Zach Godley is going to drive me crazy. And the fact that Z- that Bickford's on the Dodgers is going to even enrage me more. He's been great for the Dodgers. That's terrible. I can't believe they were able to get Phil Bickford for fucking nothing. That guy was Jeremy Jeffries all over again. It was just the guy who had some drug issues in, in the minors, let, smoked a little weed, whatever weed who cares and he just he needed a little more of a shot and i'm kind of mad the brewers didn't get it now granted jake cousins the early returns are good i'll be curious to see jake cousins another guy kind of like castan hera against the heart a better team we'll see how he does miguel sanchez similar like i maybe they do have some stuff maybe david turns knew what he was doing when he was trading away uh Fire Eisen and Rasmussen because he knew he had these guys locked and ready and oh yeah Willie Adamas has been great and a lot of people I'll, I'll tell you this speaking of that not a lot of people talk about Luis Urias and how bad of a trade that was for Stearns it's not a 10 game hitting streak he's had some really good moments for the Brewers this season a lot a lot of respects kind of needed on Luis Urias's name as well as David Stearns and now I can finally say his name. It's t- It took me at least a year and a half, but Urias, we're on board. We chose a man. But yeah, it was a good weekend to be a Milwaukee sports fan for sure. All right, Tappers, that does it for our Monday show. We will be back tomorrow. We'll recap Brewers-Cubs uh, game number one. We'll also get ready for game four. We'll see what, what the headlines are uh, on Monday. Uh, we'll see how much it's chris middleton versus trey young uh we'll we'll definitely get into all of that so excited to talk again uh tomorrow and we'll be back mitch and i i think wednesday we're gonna do a show wednesday so mitch and i will be back on wednesday so look forward to having the keg 422 from the two of us as well all right take care guys have a good one bye